0: Today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Right now, though, time for our uh, visit with our friends at the Bob Kemp Hospice. What is the impact on caregivers when it is revealed that there is no cure? I mean, you hear that, uh, and it's... it's something that has an impact on everybody in the family. Uh, I want to continue that conversation with our uh, good friend Claire Friedman, of course, uh, from the Bob Kemp Hospice, who is with us here. Good to see you again, Claire. Thanks for having us. And also uh, in studio with us is Jay Perry, who is a photographer and a caregiver. Jay, thanks for coming here. Great to see you. Thanks for having me, too. Tell me your story, first of all. I, I want to talk about your dad and, 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 and that, but, I mean, uh, you got into photography almost uh, by accident, really, didn't you?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Stony Creek, and... Um, Played in a band for five, six years, and then once that ended, I got into web design. After that, I kind of uh, s- fell into photography from borrowing a camera from my brother and loved the process of photography and then just jumped right into it.
0: Now, your photography took you to Haiti one time, and, and that had a real impact on your life.
1: Yeah, I was kind of a struggling photographer until I went on a mission trip there, and it was a photo that I took in Haiti that kind of really helped launch my career, which was... a amazing for me
0: but it also had an impact on you as an individual
1: uh, it definitely changed my life for sure and made me um, so grateful for what I have in Canada mm-hmm. definitely
0: and and it's it's from what I understand it it moved you onto a, a path of, of, of helping others and wanting to, to
1: give back yeah, uh, 100% um, it definitely opened my eyes to a life of service um, coming home from Haiti and starting up an organization. Um, in Hamilton called Friends with Hearts that has, you know, exploded into something massive across Canada and the United States now. And it definitely all started from that trip to Haiti, for sure.
0: Incredible organization, and uh, we can give some more information about that in a couple of minutes. So let's talk about how you had your... your Incidents with with the, with hospice care, uh, and it all circles around your dad, doesn't
1: it? Yep, definitely. He uh, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer in early 2013, and immediately I decided to um, become his caregiver and quit my photography job, which I had been working a few years to kind of get to a certain level, which I I did. It was it was it was taking off, um, and he was given nine months to live. So I decided... What was, that,
0: what was that like when you heard that?
1: Uh, it was gut-wrenching. Um, I can still remember the exact day, March 5th, uh, 2013, being in the hospital room. And, you know, it's it's amazing how easily a doctor can tell you that news. And we had a team of doctors in there, and my I knew it was coming. And I knew my dad was going to ask the question, how long do I have? And I was just praying he didn't. And sure enough, he did. And it was instantly a doctor said, you've got nine months to a year to live. And... Mm-hmm. I felt my stomach drop. Um, My mom, she had to leave us. I don't even know. She went and I think she was off crying. Who knows? But it sucks because you feel so helpless and you, you want to do whatever you can to fix him and and change roles with him. And you just see someone so sad and devastated. Um, And it's kind of a diagnosis for him, but it's also a diagnosis for the whole family as Mm -hmm. well. And you all take it and it, Honestly, there's no other words, and it sucks. That's what it is.
0: You're looking around the room. You're looking at your dad, obviously, and and, and the, the What are the emotions? Obviously, there's, there's sorrow, because uh, I've heard I've heard anger. I mean, there's, there, it runs the range, doesn't it, Claire?
2: Absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's devastating. I mean, there's you know, people ask themselves, you know, is this true? Um, maybe it's not true. it can can we go somewhere else and 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 get uh, different kind of therapies? Um, you know, sometimes anger, or regret, sadness, definitely. Um, uh, we we hear it from from families, but it's it's really just that the, that that overwhelming impact of hearing those words that just make everything else around you feel surreal in the moment.
0: I mean it's we, we know the death is inevitable, but when it's as, when it's a loved one, like your dad's situation, it's it, it hits you like a ton of bricks, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: it was the first time I ever experienced someone so close to me um being given such um devastating news. And you you instantly the sadness hits in, um definitely some anger, but after a while I think you go into this fight or flight mode where it's kinda like, Okay, well, that's fine that the doctor said that, but I'm gonna figure this out. And this, all these crazy emotions come in, and I don't care that he said that. I'm going to research and research, and I'm going to figure this out. There's no way he's dying. And that was me for a few months, just continually researching, which I think was very beneficial In um, because he was given nine months to live, and he ended up living two and a half years. And through his whole journey, we had doctors baffled. Um, no, I could never find a cure, but I think that we did a lot of th- the little things that allowed him to live two and a half years. You want to buy time. I- mm-hmm. Exactly. And that, and then that's what kind of my mentality turned into. It's like, okay, well, I don't think I can cure him, but let's buy time. Let's see what we can do and extend the amount of time that I have with my dad. Mm-hmm. Tough decision. <clears throat> and, uh, and people might think on the
0: surface, oh, yeah, of course he gave up his career to, to go and be, be the caregiver. <clears throat> but it's your career. It's your life.
1: Yeah, and, and to be honest uh, – I'm still struggling to get back on my feet from those two and a half years that I gave up because I lost a lot of clients. Um, When I restarted my career almost three years later, I had to buy all new gear, new computers. Um, So I'm 100% in a worse off position career-wise than when when he first got diagnosed. And that sucks as well. But I always tell everybody, I don't want to know a life where I didn't give up that time for him um, and I'm so happy that I gave up my career and I'm in this position because I got to experience um, so many incredible moments with my dad over his journey
0: so you do it all over again if you had to. I
1: it would in a heartbeat mm-hmm. and then I would recommend that other people do that do it as well because um, it was life-changing for me um, in, in a negative in the financial way, but I think there's always time to make money, and that's what I tell people. You've got your lifetime ahead of you to make money, but you've only got a certain amount of time to make memories that matter.
0: And I know you, you hold on to those memories, and, and, and that's what sustains us, I guess, as human beings, to have those memories and to, to remember those happy times.
2: Absolutely. It's about, and, and that's what hospice palliative care is, is yeah. about, is in, ensuring that, you know, you get to live the best life you, you can with the, the least amount of uh, symptoms associated with whatever um, uh, palliative illness that you, you have, um, and then bringing the comfort and care, and and having those last moments, like, you know, um, with Jay, it was his... His dad, we have young families, too, where children are, are losing a parent, where they're, you know, f- three and four. And, you know, and the parent is saying to us, you know, I think my child will never remember me. And you have a child who says, will I remember my parents? So it's working with families around so you can create those lasting memories. And and it's important. And just like Jay said, you know, we can, we can make money, uh, you know after, and uh, but we can't make up those times or whatnot, but we do need to make sure that we're supporting caregivers as well because of the financial cost, right? So that's one of the things, you know, I personally think that if we had more government support to help folks who had to give up their job to take care of their their, uh, their, their loved ones so that they don't have to struggle, you know, financially after.
0: Talk to us about the, the the hospice care and and how that was. I mean, obviously, as as the caregiver, you want to do everything you possibly can to to extend your dad's life and at the same time make sure that he's comfortable. But you do reach a point where you just say, "I don't know if I can do this. I'm not qualified. I'm not capable of doing it." Yeah,
1: f- for us, it was um, it was about two, just over two years into his journey, where he went to the hospital, I guess his his last time um, for some symptoms he was having. And they, he was just sleeping a lot, and they finally said, you know, there's not much we can do um, at the hospital. It's probably a good idea to look into a hospice. Um, that was also, you know, hard to hear as well. And we were kind of searching around, and we ended up getting into a hospice in Grimsby McNally House. Um, and what an amazing place that is, what hospice do for people. Um, it, it felt It felt like it was at home. Uh, you didn't see doctors or tubes or medical equipment all around. And the, the funny part is, um, we're not sure if my dad knew exactly where he was. He always referred to the hospice as the apart, the rehab apartment he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we weren't sure if we should totally tell him what was happening, but I mean, he got, they got he got to go in the, a warm bath every day if he wanted, uh, it specific breakfast that he, anything he wanted. Yeah, yeah. He he had this specific breakfast that he always wanted. He loved the bagel with an egg in there. Um, they didn't have that, but they went out to the grocery store and got that specifically for him. And what's amazing is it was free. We didn't spend a cent on this. They fed us, they had soup cookies for us all the time. So although it it's a sad place because there's a lot of, signs or thoughts of death when you go into a hospice it was 110 percent better than being in a hospital and you do come to realizations that this is the end um, and how long are you going to be in there for and, and whatnot but you get to be make friends with everyone who's in there with all the yeah. other families it's
0: a real sense of community right isn't and
1: there? I, th- I think that helps you a lot as well because when you're in the hospital i think there's st- still a thought of Okay, we're still going to find a cure. Can you can you fix him? Can you get him out of this? When you are in the hospice, you you finally realize that this is the end, but it's not as sad as you think it's going to be because there is others in there helping you through it. And, and, and you know, I still communicate with some people from the hospice when I met them and hear their journeys and what they're going through. And I think that's great for caregivers to keep in touch because the grieving journey continues.
0: Well, you've got something in common, don't you? Oh, there's for sure. There's for a bond sure. there with uh, with those other families,
1: for sure. And um, I get messages all the time from people that I don't even know messaging me who who are going through something who have seen my journey via um, Facebook posts or, or stuff like that that want to get in touch with me because I've been through it, and I will always take time to write them back because I know what they're going through, and I know sometimes they just need a voice. No, I'm not going to tell them that their loved one is going to be okay, but if I can just talk to them and comfort them in any sort of way, I know that's valuable because I know when I was going through that, I was looking for that sometimes, and it wasn't there a lot. Mm. So that's why I do shows like this, um, any interviews, because I know that they're valuable for caregivers going through it.
0: It's it's the old adage, isn't it? Claire, that somebody that you can speak to that you can be open minded, and they'll get you because they know what's happening. That because that happened, I see this when we talk to the families at the Hike for Hospice every year, Absolutely. and that may be the only time you actually hook up with them. Oh, hey, there are the the Joneses, and uh, and you have that bond. That it's always going to be there, isn't
2: it? Absolutely. And 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 you know what? When we grieve, it's it. it there is no end date for grieving, right? Well, that yep. person will never come back, but we can integrate it into our lives, and we can integrate it into our relationships, and that's why the hike for for hospice yes it's a fundraiser but it's more of a gathering for families to again just to remember and to honor and uh you know just last year somebody came up and their loved one had passed away over 10 years ago and you know they say they come back every year because it's the it's the time that they celebrate that that the person was was in their life because the rest of the things don't always get celebrated year after year after year.
0: Talk to me about the staff at the hospice because, because I know when my mom was at the Bob Kemp Hospice, I mean, we were, we were just amazed and, and just pleasantly so by the, by the staff, by the attitude, by the the, the comradeship that, that goes on.
1: Yeah, I think that they are such incredible souls and it takes a special person Yeah. to – I couldn't do it. I wouldn't be able to work in a hospice, I don't think, um, to what they see every day and what they deal with is amazing. And the fact that they can always be so – Helpful, so happy is, but also very emotional. When my dad passed, what they did was um, when they carried, when they got him out of the room, um, all the staff was outside seeing him off, and there were actually tears in some of their eyes. To me, that felt that was amazing because they had such a connection with them. And I go back to the doctors at the hospital. Not that there's anything wrong with the doctors, but how they can come in and just say, "Oh, by the way, you're going to die in nine months." It's great to see you. Have a good day. No connection whatsoever. And I love that the staff at the hospice give, give their time and energy to make you feel better, and not only the patient. What motivated
0: you to write the book about your experience with your dad?
1: So while I was going through my journey, um, a lot of people reached out to me because I was posting via Facebook or Instagram what was happening. And I found that a lot of these people that were reaching out were going through a similar situation. And one of their loved ones just got diagnosed or whatnot, and they weren't reaching out necessarily like, how do I cure my mom or dad? It was, I just needed to talk. So I met up with them, you know, had coffee with them, shared my story, what we did that I thought worked, what we did for me that I thought worked, and just, just everything, anything that I could. Now, these were only friends of mine that could have access to these posts via online, and they started gaining more momentum and more people were asking and questioning. So I thought... Maybe there's some valuable material there that I, that might need to reach further than my online network. So I decided that the best thing to do was put it into a book and try and get that out there for all caregivers. The book is called books called my dad got sick. And the response so far has been, been incredible. Um, and it's, it's funny, you know, going back to photography, um, you know, I'll, I'll shoot a, a photo job with, um, let's say, a celebrity athlete and get paid very well. Um, it does nothing for me, you know, other than pay the rent. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. Then I'll sell one book on Amazon. I think I make $3 off a book. But that person messages me on how it changed their day, their life, their future. And what an amazing feeling that is. It totally trumps the other
0: is uh, is Amazon the best place to get the book?
1: Yeah, right now uh, Amazon has. If you're in Hamilton, Jervissey uh, Hospital is carrying it as well. Oh, perfect. Um, so yeah, Amazon's probably the best spot.
0: It's uh, it's called "My Dad Got Sick: Love and Insights from a Caregiver's Unexpected Journey Through Cancer." Uh, it's an amazing story, and uh, you're amazing too for what you did for your dad and Thank for telling you. that story and, and sharing it with others. Now we're just about out of time, but I got to let you mention the raffle c- that's coming up.
2: Yes, we have. Uh, I was
0: supposed to win the car last year,
2: <laughs> so yes. maybe this year. Well, yes, we have. Uh, w- we have a children's bereavement camp, and yeah. children lose things, and and uh, parents and loved ones, and uh, we we are raffling off a jeep, and our second prize is ten thousand uh, dollars. Tickets are twenty dollars. We really need people's support because there is no funding for this camp whatsoever. Uh, So we have lots of tickets left, so your chances are great. Um, You can call us at the hospice, um, ask for Danielle, um, and you can even email us, and uh, we'd be happy to to sell out our, our lottery and send more kids to camp.
0: Okay, but it's my turn to win, right? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> you said that last year, Claire. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you so much for coming in today and sharing your story, Jade. It's great to meet you. Yep, thanks for having me. And Claire, Appreciate we'll see you again next week. Thank yep. you again.
2: Thank you.
1: The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.